This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I heard an unbelievable, an unbelievable thing before I came here tonight. Um, so this, I was talking to this tzaddik and I told him that I was in Miran last night. And he said that there was a great rabbi that said that the, that because of all the mix, because of what goes on, and this was many years ago in Meron, in those days, that the one day that Rishim Meichon is not in Meron is, is Lag Bomer. It's just this great, I think it was Rav Shach actually that said it. Um, she said, but it doesn't matter whether Rishim Meichon is there or not, because to see so many Jews, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, of Jewish women and Jewish men and probably millions of chapters of Tehillim said within 24 hours and people dancing out of happiness and everything that goes on he, he said something he said the Kosel Shavuos night Tisha B'Av Yom Kippur max 10,000 people max 10,000 people he says when in Meron in 26 hours or 30 hours there's maybe a million people he says, Rishim Echoy doesn't need to be there. When, when so many Jews get together, Sfadim, Ashkenazim, Chassidim, modern, not from, from, get together and say to Hillim, he says it's, better, it's bigger than anything else. And I haven't been there last night, and I'm a, I'm a people watcher, so um, I was standing in the corner watching the throngs of Jewish people, women and men and young girls and boys, and the dancing and the singing and the girls saying to Hillim and davening, and I'm like, this is for Rav Shimbaichoy. We don't really know Rav Shimbaichoy. We know he's great, he's a big tzaddik, but I don't think most of the girls they learn Zayar, right? Most of the guys don't learn Zayar. And it's just like a holy rabbi that, that you know, can, can do miracles for you. He said, I was sitting there and like, wait till Mashiach comes. Because Mashiach is going to be there, he's going to, Bolshev is going to announce, he's going to be there. It's not Rav Shimon, you don't see. Mashiach is going to see, forget about it. We are hungry, the Jews are hungry. Just give us a reason to excuse something, a school or whatever. Just give us something. It's like, it was just like a microchasm of what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. Just they got to work on the, when Mashiach comes, they got to work on the, on the buses. I don't know. So, <laughs> I hope he's not on the top of a mountain somewhere. Like, I hope he, like, you know, I don't know what the system, the system happens to be amazing. They have an amazing system, but it's like, it takes a long time. Anyway, so this year is called Turn the Page. And um, it's a very important shear to give chizik to everybody in life, and that all our lives are is a book, and there are many parts to a book. There's the beginning, the middle, there's many chapters to the book, and if you just open up the book to one page and read it, you don't know the book, and it would be very silly if you had an opinion on the book from one page. So I want to show you in the Torah that sometimes when people thought they were forgotten, when people went through their highest and hardest Nesayinus if you just turn the page of the Chumash just turn the page the whole thing changed and therefore in our lives we have to understand that the page turns and I was talking to a bunch of girls today and the girl said not turning Rabbi since I'm a kid my parents are divorced and I went through abuse and I went through this and I went through that I don't do all in school I don't know Pages and turning. Well, first of all, pages turning, they're just not happy pages. I said, but there's something about writing your own page and putting it in the book. Don't give up. She's depressed. She's giving up. I'm like, don't give up. 
if you don't like the page, there's certain things you can't change, but there's certain things you could change. You start writing your own pages for your own book. Now, we know that everybody has a book because on Yom Kippur, it says on Yom Kippur that, that a Baruch Hu opens your book. So you got a book up at Shemayim. Not a scroll, a book, it says. And the Yaakov boy. Wow, this is amazing. And every hand writes in the book. It's, it's, it's in the Nisana Teikah. says that you actually write in the book. Hashem doesn't write in the book, you write in the book. So it's sort of your book that you wrote. So let's start in the beginning. To give tonight a, a, a sheer, to give chizik to struggling. So let's look at Avram Avinu for a minute. So I, I think the biggest question that we all have, and sometimes we don't ask it because it's not the right thing to do. You know, you're not allowed to ask questions on Hashem. It's just wrong. But deep down in our heart, we still have the questions. So the question sort of stays up here, but doesn't go here, because it's not allowed to go here to your heart. But in your head, it's like, I don't understand. Like, like, like you know, I have girls, they won't say it, but they're like 35 years old, not married. And they say, sure, Shirim, they're sneers, they, they're so careful, whatever it is. And their friends in the, who were bumming around and going to clubs, they already have five kids. So, Tzadik Viraloi, people who do the right thing and the right thing doesn't happen, we sort of have an expectation in life, if I do the right thing, you're going to reward me. And then, you know, you have like Bali Chuva who were open on Shabbos, his stores were open on Shabbos, they were making millions of dollars, and then they become Shemr Shabbos and the business closes. Not because, not because they're so busy on Shabbos. And it's like, what's going on over here? Like, I became from, I thought I was doing $2 million a year, now we do $20 million a year. And it went the other way. So in our hearts, even though we would never say it to Hashem, like, why are you doing this? But in our hearts, many times, we ask that question. So, I'm going to show you tonight that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, none of us are Moshe Rabbeinu, straight out asked Hashem, you sent me on a mission, you told me what you're going to do, and you didn't do what you were supposed to do. But let's start with Abraham Avino. So, let's think about Abraham Avino for a minute. So here's this kid. His father is Terach. He owns, I make fun, I say he owned an Apple store. Right? I make fun of him because of the internet. And, and he had many apps. You want to be beautiful? Beautiful app. You want to be strong? Strong app. Right? Many apps. And he realized that that's not really the story. Don't don't say Ray Wallstein said it was an app. But it was a Zara store and he saw Hercules and he said, Wow, what what Abajazar is this? And that guy came into the store and said, I'm very weak, I want to be very strong. Can I have a a Hercules power of Odazara? And the Ramavina said, What what does it do for you? He says, I don't know, they say if I pray to it, I'm gonna become very strong. He said, Well, let's see. So Aravina goes up to this big idol. And he takes a stick, he says, well, let's see if it protects itself. And he hits the idol, of course, he breaks the idol. And he goes from idol to idol to idol, and he realizes that all of these idols are fake. His father has a fake store. They're not real. So he says, okay, so if that's the case, I was brought up thinking that the Internet's where it's at, you know, where it's at, and I realize it's not. So let me go outside and check out and see who God is. So he goes outside, and he sees the sun. And he can't look at the sun. He says, ah, oh, the sun is gone. But then at night the sun went down, so he can't be God. It's like Chagadja. You know, the moon is God, but in the morning the moon wasn't there. He says, oh, fire is God, like the sun. The water put out the fire. Water is God, and the cow drank the water. Cow is God, and India is still the cow is God. 
And then we got past that. And then the man came and he and he chopped them up and he had franks and hamburgers and steaks and so he can't that guy can't be God. And then he said, Okay, the human being must be God. He rules over everything, but then people died. So he says, So people are not God, so who's God? It must be there's one God in the world that everything is created. So he came to Hashem, not because Hashem spoke to him, not because he went to a Charlie Harari Shear. He found Hashem by looking for him and coming to him through his own knowledge. So now you have, so now you have this person called Avram Avinu who is preaching on every corner of every street that there are no Avodah There is one God, Hashem, who created the world. Now, how did they serve the Avodah So they were like the Incas and the Aztecs. They used to bring their children as human sacrifices to the Avodah So Brahmavino is getting up and preaching against idols and against human sacrifice and talking to the whole world about God, and now God tells Avram, bring your child up as a sacrifice. My whole life I'm preaching that human sacrifice is wrong, and now the God that I'm saying I represent is saying, bring up your child for a carbon. Hashem didn't say kill him, he just said bring him up as an Ola. He didn't say kill him, but that's when Ola happened. Imagine your whole life you're preaching something, you're talking about God, and then, and then, all of a sudden, you're like making a total flip, and he's telling everyone, you know, I'm taking it as a car. And they're like, you're the guy. You're the anti-carbon guy. You're the anti-sacrifice guy. He says, listen, that's what Hashem thought to me. I don't understand it, but I don't ask questions. Okay. So it's a very big test. Because Hashem was asking to give up his whole life with Yitzchak, and he's giving up Yitzchak. It was a very big test. But there's something very interesting about tests. Not always, but many times you go through a test in life, and the minute you pass the test, the test is gone. It's like, it's like Yom Kippur. What happens at the end of Ne'ilu by Yom Kippur? You're like, I'm not even hungry. Like, I can fast another hour or two. Meanwhile, by Mincha at 3 o'clock, like, I, I, I can't live another second. <laughs> right? So when you get to the end of the pain, so to say, it's like all of a sudden it's like, this is easy. And that's what happened here. When Avraham passed the test, and he picked up the knife to Shech Yitzchak. <coughs> HaKadosh Baruch Hu said the following. Don't touch him. Don't even scratch him. Because now I know the Jew are, the Jew fear, right? You fear me. You didn't even hold back your only child, your only son for me. Okay? So, the biggest test of Avraham Avinu is to kill his child. He's about to shech his child. And Hashem says, no, no, no! There's no need to shech your child because the test is over. The test is not shechting your child. The test is, are you willing to shech your child? And once I saw that you're willing, I know that you passed the test. Once you pass the test, you don't have to suffer. No, no, don't touch him. That's very nice, Rabbi Wallace. But... A girl in my seminary asked, What about Yitzchak? It's not called Akedas Avraham. It's not called Shechitas Avraham or Shechitas Yitzchak. It's called Akedas Yitzchak. Do you know why? Because what Yitzchak did was bigger than what Avraham did. 
So at the end of the day, he was sacrificing his child. At the end of the day, Yitzchak was going to die. And Yitzchak said to Avram something amazing. He said, Dad, you need to tie me down to this Mizbeach so tight that I can't even move an inch. Why? Because when I see that knife coming, I might flinch and my neck might move. And you're going to do it. You're going to make a mum. And once you make a mum, I'm not a good carbon. And you'll never be able to replace the test. The test is bringing up Yitzchak, bringing up your only child. But if, I, if, you, if you make a mum in me, then even though you wanted to shech me, you failed. Because it's not a carbon anymore if I have a mum. And it will be the worst thing that could happen because you're not going to get another chance to do this. If I'm dead I'm, and you made a me a mum. So it's so important to me that you pass your test, Dad, and that you do what needs to be done tie me down that Hashem said is out of hand that's out of hand but yet, so therefore it's not called Akedas Avram it's not called Shechitas Yitzchak Akedas Yitzchak Yitzchak was willing that his father should tie him down to make sure that my father not him my father his Nisayan he should tell even though you're dying right just the opposite you tie me down and the last second I want to change my mind I can't that's why it's called Akedas Yitzchak so the girl was a very smart girl and in, in, in and Benoth Bina said to me, but Rabbi Wallstein, isn't it true that the angels were crying and the tears went into Yitzhak's eyes and he became blind? This is my focus why he was blind. He was blind. This is my focus why. One says the tears of the angels. One says, no, not tears of the angels. The smoke of what Esau was bringing Korbanos to the idols got into Yitzhak's eyes and he was very sensitive and made him blind. Okay, so at this point, if you're teaching a class and they have no imun in Hashem and they have no background they're like I don't have I don't get it Yitzchak had himself tied down so his reward was he should go blind this is Tzadik Viraloi at its peak should go blind he should light up he should you should give him millions of dollars he should I don't know what he went blind so if you get stuck at that page you got a problem but if you turn the page in the Chumash Rifki Minna says, this is no good. If Esau gets the bracha, then Yaakov will have nothing. And Esau will rule the world. So, we have to fool Yitzchak. But you can't fool him if he can see. Because as much as putting hair on the arms and hair on the neck, and all, all her tricks, if he could see, he would see that it's not, it's not Esau, it's Yaakov. So, so Yitzchak had to become blind to give his children, which is the most important thing to a person, which is Yaakov and his children and Klai Yisrael, to be able to give them the bracha. So it looks like a punishment that he became blind. How could you do that, Hashem? Was the biggest bracha to Yitzchak because he was blind, he was able to bench Yaakov and be able to bench us and we eat in the Cholokin is our bracha. But if you get stuck on that page, it's like, Rabbi Wallace, I understand, it looks like Hashem punished Yitzchak. Okay, very nice. Now, much more than this. Let's go to my favorite person in the Torah, one of my favorite persons in the Torah, and one of my favorite Pashas that I talk about all the time. Pashas Vayera. And I have to tell you that I speak about this a lot, and so many people come over to me and say, like, thank you so much, because I'm doing the right stuff, and I, this whole shir comes from a boy that that I'm very, very close to. One of my Talmidim, that's sort of, I train to be like me. So he teaches half a day Torah to kids that are learning disabled. And the second half a day, he's in big business. And 
for the last year, whatever he touches turns to dust. It's not normal. This kid helped me so much with Ornav and the things that I do. And not only he can't give me money, he needs money from me. He's like, everything he touches turns to dust. And every time he had any money, he doesn't live a high stock. He only gives it to Tzedakah. So he called me a week ago and he said, I cannot go on. I need you to talk. You're my Rebbe. I need you to come in the morning and you need to sit down and you need to give me physics. This is just... All the guys that I borrowed money from who are making me crazy, they, 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 they drink, they smoke. I don't even know if they keep Shabbos. And now I owe them all this. He said, you have to talk to me, Rebbe. So this was my share to him. So I'm just sharing this with you because a lot of other people do a lot of good stuff, move to Israel, like in Eretz Israel, everything's going to be amazing, it's going to be fantastic. I get out of America, I'm going to have a job, and my kids are going to do good, and then they have no job, and the kids are off to Derek, and they're like, what did I do? I came to Eretz Israel, right? And the Gemara says, Kaina Yisrael, Eretz Israel, be Yisurim. Doesn't make sense. What do you mean? I'm coming to Eretz Israel, the guys in America, they got money, they got whatever they want, come to Israel, and I can't get a job. It doesn't make any sense. It's full, there's a mitzvah to live in Israel. So why is it so hard? Why can't I be Yisurim? Because living in Israel, a person in Shama that lives in Israel is on a whole different level. In the next world, in this world, and every second they're in Israel, they're getting a mitzvah. Yes, you don't have the fancy cars, you don't have, right? Yeah, okay. You don't have a good subway system, you know? Okay, so what are you going to do? <laughs> it's very different. So a lot of kids are very unhappy. I know Rambat Bachemish has its challenges, and all the places have their challenges, because they're American kids who came in, they're teenagers, and they're like, you took me out of the Knicks and the Yankees, and and Hollywood and Broadway and Broadway movies and you took me out of all that great stuff and you brought me here and they don't understand it's kind of be sure in marriage Israel it's not easy but there's a reason for it because you don't know what you're getting if you understood what you were getting by living in Israel every second of mitzvah living in Brooklyn not one second of mitzvah every second you're in Israel you get a mitzvah it's like wearing tzitzes at night we figured out that, that from 13 to 90 if you wear tzitzes all the time you get 1 billion mitzvahs so if you live in Israel from 13 or 12 to 90 or you should live longer you're going to come up to Israel with a billion mitzvahs even if you don't wear tzitzes a woman snua it says in the Kabbalah that a woman who dresses snua gets every second a mitzvah because that's her tzitzah. Tzitzah is the Yisrael. When you see your tzitzah, it's supposed to remind you that you're, that you're Hashem, that, of Hashem. So a woman who dresses snua, every second she's snua, she gets a mitzvah. I looked it up. Why? Because the girls in my class were complaining. They're like, oh, you guys come up with a billion mitzvahs. It's a, a Jew, the Jewish religion is for guys. Girls don't have tzitzahs. We're going to come up there and our bank account's going to have zero. And you... And again, a million mitzvahs, a billion, a billion mitzvahs for putting on tzitzahs, they're low fear. They're low fear. So, I looked in the Kabbalah Yasha, and the Kabbalah Yasha says, by women, if they're tznua, they get every second a mitzvah, and guess, get, get ready for this. They get more than a man, because they start at 12 and we start at 13. Oh. You know, you don't like that bracha shosani kitsono? Like, I don't understand. They say Shaloya Sani Isha, that they're happy they're not a girl. Why can't I say Shaloya Sani Ish? A bracha of saying that you're the will of God is way above saying I'm not a man. Rav Chaim Kayaneski gets up in the morning and says, Shosani Katsono, it's a bracha of Atala. What do you mean? The, the, girl, the women in this room, and your old Tzadikah says, the women in this room are more the will of God than Rav Chaim Kayaneski? But if he makes the bracha, he has to say, Cannot make the bracha. 
when my wife makes the bracha in the morning, I try to be there when she says Ostani Kitsono every once in a while. I chop a right because I can say a main to, but I can't make that bracha. I'm not a, so, so women are like, I want to say Shaloya Sani Ish. Shaloya Sani Ish is nothing. The reason we say Shaloya Sani Ish is thank you, Hashem, that I'm not a woman. I'm, I'm number two, but I'm not a woman because if I was a woman, I don't have the mitzvah tzolim. I don't mitzvah tzitzis. I don't mitzvah three times diving a day. So I don't mitzvah So thank you, Hashem, that I'm not a woman, so at least I have these mitzvahs. But Osani Kitsono? I am the will of God? Who makes that bracha? No tzaddik can make that bracha. No gadol can make that bracha. All of you can make that bracha. Why are you the will of God? Because God is a creator, God is a nurturer, and God is a protector. And the way he created a woman physically, she has a womb, so she's a creator. She's able to nurse her child, so she's a nurturer. And naturally, the female of, of any, whether man or, or, or animal, whatever it is, the female is the protector. So if you have a mother bear with her cubs, you know don't even go near her. Because she will rip your head off and you can put 20 bullets into her, she'll keep coming. That's the mother bear, any mother of any animal, mother li- lioness is much more dangerous than the man lion. When she has her chevra, her cubs, forget about it. And the reason women are only allowed to marry one man, and men are allowed to marry more than one woman, because women only need one man. That's all they need. They, they need commitment. So, and I can tell you that I'm teaching for 40 years, and I don't tell the mothers the same thing I tell the fathers. Because if her son's not learning well, and I say he's not learning well, and he's not doing well in class, every mother says the same thing. You know why, Rabbi Wallstein? Two, three reasons. One, he, it's his friend, not him. He's a tzaddik. It's his friend. And then the mother of the friend is saying, oh, it's his friend, the other guy. Each mother is saying, it's the other guy. It's not my kid is a tzaddik. And then, you know, Rabbi Wallstein, if you were a great Rebbe, and you really knew what you were doing, my son would be learning. And you know what? I don't even like this yeshiva. Every mother says the same thing. Father? Well, he's not doing well? I'm taking away his phone, his football, his sneakers, his socks, his food. We're going to lock him up in a room. Father? Forget about it. Mother? Don't you mess with my kid. So I'm assistant principal and I tell them, PTA? Don't. When the mother comes? Shefala. Potential. Kid has potential. Struggling a little. When the father comes? Miserable kid. He's the worst thing that we've ever had in yeshiva. But mother, you don't talk like that. Mothers are, mothers are protected. So the, the bracha of a mother, Shosani Kitsono, I'm, I'm, I'm closer to a God than a man. Much closer to God. Now there's another beautiful answer that I saw a few months ago. Man, man was made from what? Earth. From dust, from earth. Woman is not made from earth. Woman is made from etzem. Hashem took a bone and he created a woman around it. Women naturally are much more stable. Their feet are on the ground. It's the men that their heads are everywhere. We have to have, I have a friend that uh, actually a Talmud that's a, that does leasing, right? There's no guy in Flatbush that's going to lease a car more than two years because the car has to smell new. Women will take an eight year lease. <laughs> they don't need to change cars every two months because they're etzem they're not dust we're all over the place you have a house in Israel house in Muncie house in Catskills house in Florida you know we're, we need five houses ladies like just let's have one house and just like let's keep this house clean they're much more grounded why? because they're not made out of ground they're made out of etzem it's a whole different 
person, a whole different psychology. Men are dust in the wind. We we go here, we go there. One wife, another wife doesn't. You know that, that's why men with a lot of, not now, but they were allowed to marry five women because we're not stationed. A woman is etzem. She's totally different. And taka women are much more grounded, much more grounded. That's why the Gemara says there are three things. I don't know if you guys know this, but I don't want you to get into trouble, guys who are watching, but there are three things that you're supposed to listen to your wife, a lot of other things, but there are three things that she doesn't have to have a reason that you should listen to her. Everything else, just it just makes sense, but it just have to make sense. One, business. Panasa. Guy comes home and says to his wife, I got a deal, the guys in shul are talking, you put in a hundred, you get out four hundred in three months, and she's like, I don't like it. He's like, what do you mean you don't like it? It's a real estate deal. What do you know about real estate? I don't get involved in your kitchen. Don't get involved in my business. And she's like, I hear you. I don't understand the deal. I don't understand the banking. I don't understand the mortgage. But I'm telling you, it just sounds like there's something wrong. The Gemara says, do not make that deal. Her, her intuition, when it comes to Parnassa, if she tells you, I like this deal, and it doesn't look like, I buy that piece of land, you're like, what am I going to just buy that piece of land? I'm telling you, I have a good feeling. The Gemara says, listen to her. She doesn't make sense. She has no reason. Intuition, listen to her. That's one. Two, friends. Guy comes home from shul. I met this guy. What a nice guy. What a friendly guy. And we're talking about him the whole time. She says, okay, invite him for Shabbos, you know, with his family. They come for Shabbos. They leave, once to Shabbos, she goes, you are not going to be this guy's friend. <laughs> and you're like, he was so nice. This is something, something about him I don't like. What don't you like about him? What do you say? I don't know. There's something about him I don't like. Gamora says, listen to her. If she doesn't like something about him, there's something wrong about him. It's Gamora. What's the third thing? Where you live. Where you live. You walk into a house, you want to buy a house. It's your dream house. You walk into this mansion, exactly what you wanted, a study and a gym and everything else. And you're walking around the house and she's walking around the house and you're like, this is it, this is our house. And she's like, bad vibes. There's something wrong with this house. I don't like it. What do you mean you don't like it? It's brand new, it's a great prep. I know, I know it's everything you want. There's a bad spirit in here. I don't like it. Umar says, listen to her. Those three things. Friends, Parnassah, and where you live. She says, let's move to Israel. Move to Israel. She says, let's move out of Israel. Don't move out of Israel. I'm kidding. <laughs> the Gemara talks about because leaving Israel is not such a pressure thing. You have to have to, have, have to be for business. It has to be for a reason. You can't just get up and say, you know, it's hot here. It's 100 degrees today. I want to get out of here. You can't just leave out Israel. Okay, I went off the subject a little bit, but I guess there's a reason for it. Anyway, so... Yesif HaTzadik. Nobody understands who Yosef HaTzadik was. You learn a little bit of the Chidah. He had the Neshama of Adam. He was the Akeres of the world. He was the foundation of Kedusha in the world. Okay, That's who he was. That's what Yaakov saw in him. He was Yaakov's Bechar from Rachel, who Yaakov was supposed to marry first. Not Pasha, not a Pasha in the His brothers take him, take off all his clothing, drop him into a 20-foot pit. We know from Hanukkah it was 20 foot deep. That's not fun without any clothing being thrown into a 20-foot pit. And in the pit are snakes and scorpions. It ain't fun getting bitten by a snake through your clothes. And definitely by a scorpion. But with no clothes, 
And the snakes and the scorpions, I no, he's a tzaddik. We're not. They all went into their holes, it says, and they didn't bother him at all. And the brothers saw this, instead of saying, wow, he's a big tzaddik, they're like, okay, let's sell him. So they take this boy, his father's Akeres, and they sell him to Mitzrayim, which was the most immoral San Francisco. That's about what I would compare it to. Maybe worse. That's what they sell this tzaddik to. I'm sure all the way down he's davening. Hashem, you got to help me because he knew how to daven. And they put him up to sell him as a slave, right? Imagine. Ben Yaakov, he's standing there in chains, just selling him to a mitzri, the lowest post. And Rashi says, Potiphar was gay. Rashi. And Potiphar bought Yosef because Yosef was a Yafasmara. There's no way in the Torah that it, it express a man's looks. By Yifas Mara, Yifas Toyer, that's only, only Rachel Yimeinu, but he was Rachel, he was, he was outstandingly gorgeous. And Potifa bought him for Mishkav Zohar, Rashi. He bought him to be his boy. You see, but Tzadik is up for sale. That's time a guy bought him. Okay, I'm going to go work. No, no, no. You're my boy. We, we can't even understand this. He bought him to be his boy. I'm saying it in a lush and lucky. And he doesn't touch Yosef. Why not? Plus he tells us very clearly. And the plus he says that he saw he saw that Yosef was holy. Yeah. But he Hashem is Yosef. Hashem was with Yosef. But he ish matzliach. He was very matzliach. But Yomar Adonav and Potiphar who bought him because he was gay for himself said I'm not touching this boy. Why? He, Hashem Ito. Because this is a man of God. And whatever he touches, Hashem is Matzliach. And the, and the Medrash says, how do you know he's a man of God? How do you know Yosef is a man of God? That wherever Yosef went, all he said was, he was always talking to God. He was a slave in Mitzrayim. And this guy saw that, oh my gosh, this guy's talking to his God all the time. Hands off. Hands off. Yosef was saved from this terrible Avera of Mishka of Zohar by Potiphar because he was a tzaddik and all he did was talk about Hashem. So what's his reward? Potiphar's wife. Come on, God, give him a break. You talk about turning pages. First, you throw me into a, into a, you throw me into a dungeon with scorpions, into a pit with scorpions. Okay, let's turn the page. Let's get out of here. Oh, you got out of here. Now you're in Mitzrayim. Oh, really? Let's turn the page. Oh, Potiphar just bought you to be his guy. Oh, man, let's get out of there. Okay, now Potiphar's wife's got you. And the Chidot says Potiphar's wife was a sorcerer. Potiphar's wife was the Nachosh. Potiphar's wife was the most beautiful girl, woman ever created in the world. And the Nachosh, the Satan created, because if he can get Yosef to do an Avera, and Yosef is the foundation of the world, the world is destroyed. And that's what he wants. So he created this woman that was, we don't even understand. And she's sick because she can't get him. And she's losing weight. And her friends are like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you eat? And she says, I have a Jewish, a Hebrew. You never saw anyone that looks like this. And they're like, Hebrews are ugly, as the Medrash says. Some of our Mitzvah men are beautiful. A Hebrew? She said, really, they're ugly? Come to my house for lunch. They all come to the house. They're in a semicircle, the Medrash says. And she gives each one, and those, what did they eat in, the, in Mitzvah? They ate esrog, like oranges. That was their citrus. She gives each one an esrog, but you have to peel the esrog. She gives them each a knife. And she brings him in. 
and it's the whole story here within the chain, whatever. They were so in awe of what they saw, says the Medrash, that they didn't realize that they weren't cutting their esrig. They were cutting the tops of their fingers off. And the blood was running down their hands, and they were like, just cut their finger off. <laughs> That's pretty good looking. I don't know anybody that you're going to cut your fingers off for. No matter who you're thinking about. So, she comes to Yosef and she says, listen, here's the deal. If you'll be with me, physically, I will poison Potifa. You don't know this, Medrash Rabbah. I will poison Potifa when he comes back. They were at the Paroth's birthday. When he dies, I will make you the head of the house. And the two of us will be together forever. Says the Medrash and the Zoya, which he meant forever, is not only in this world, but the two of us will be together in the next world. In hell, but in the next world. We'll be together forever. And Yosef made a big mistake. Because she asked him, why... Why can't we be together? He said, by your mind, I refuse. He said, why not? He said, I got two problems. One, you're married, adultery. Two, you're a guy. Now, I, I, I spoke in seven seminaries in the last two days. And the most important point I met is that when they come back to America and you go to college, wherever you go, to workplace, don't ever get into a discussion with a man. Because 90% of emotional relationships become physical. Only 20% of physical relations become emotional. So the way to get a girl, we know, guys know, is to talk to them, get involved with them emotionally, and then you got them. How do we know that? From the Nachash. The Nachash came over to Chav, he said, so what's with the trees? Can you eat that? Ah! She should have said, I don't know. When I, if you look at Barashas, when Hashem commanded that you can't eat from the tree, she wasn't created yet. That was before she was created, before he went to sleep. So she never even heard the commandment. That's why he told her, you're not allowed to touch a tree. She didn't know that. It wasn't true. She thought you're not allowed to touch a tree because Adam told her. So what she should have said is, listen, Mr. Snake, I'm only the Rebetzin. Go ask the rabbi. <laughs> but her mistake was, women are maternal. They love to help. When you ask, I was in Mersha, or where I was, I was asking where this, no, yesterday I was looking for the bus in, in Maron, um, where the buses were leaving from. So I was coming out, and I asked this guy, I forgot the name of the parking lot, there's a train station in Makia, or something else, where we all up there, I don't know. That's where the bus, so I said, do you know where the bus, right? So the guy said, ah, you mean, you mean, ah, finished. I have no idea what he's talking about. Just go straight and have a nice life, find it. <laughs> right? So then I asked the girl, excuse me, do you know where it is? She said, come, I'll walk you halfway. Hello? Like, no, just tell me, no, you're going to get lost, I'll walk you out. That's women. They're, they're, they're maternal. They're like, they're like everyone that asks them a question, they think they're, 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 his, they're his mother. Right? I got to tell you everything. So you ask them, you go to the gas station, you're like, where do I go? You make a left and you make a right. You know what? Follow me every time. A guy? Yeah, yeah, get to the stop sign. Yeah, you, you get more lost than when you started. Right? That was before ways. So they're very maternal. So they like to help. They like to talk. The worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do, girls, is to get involved with someone, some guy who's talking to you and asking you information. I don't have time tonight. It's not my speech over here. But I spent the last three days in, uh, in seminaries explaining to them what happens in college and how guys, how do girls end up with, with Muslim boyfriends and Christian boyfriends and stuff like that. How does that happen? You know, if they would just walk over to you and say, like, I, be, I want to be a boyfriend, you're going to be like, I'm calling the police. Like, get away from me, right? But they're not like, why? How come Jewish girls are more pretty than regular girls? 
How come your eyes are so different? How come you wear long skirts? How come you're so sweet? You know, and you want to show off because, you know, it's Niyut. What's Niyut? And you just get it, and he got you. He's got you. Can I call you? Can we talk about this over lunch? Done. You are so done. That is so the Sultan's trap. The guy's going to walk up to you and say, hey, girl, let's hang out. You'll be like, get away from me. What's wrong with you? So the, the, the problem of Isha, the problem with women is don't get involved with men. They ask you a question. They want information. Tell them to go to, to online and, 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 and go to Isha Torah and ask the rabbis there. They're not going to do that. They're not interested. So it just happened in Brooklyn College, not that long ago. Brooklyn College, if I get these four girls come to my office, these Yaakov girls are in Brooklyn College for whatever they're going for, and I'm like, how can I help you? They're like, we need your help. I'm like, what happened? So we took, um, we took in Brooklyn College a, a course in um, um, religion, because it's an easy course, religion for Jewish people. And it's like taking the Hebrew region. You know, it's a joke. So they figured, let's take me out. Let's but the problem is the professor who teaches him that is a Jew hater. Right. He's a Jew. A Jew self-hater. So his subject is religion. Of all the guys to give the subject religion, that's... So, they're there a whole year, easy, no problem. He gives the final paper, and that's how you get marked. The final paper is, everyone of every religion in the room has to go to two other religions' prayers and write a report on the difference between different religious prayers. And the four big shock of girls go running up to the professor. We can't do that. Why not? Because in our religion, you're not allowed to go into a church. And you can't go into a Buddha temple. So, we can't do that. Of course, he knew that. He knows that. He does it every year. So, he announces in front of the whole class, Oh! So, the Jewish people can't go to other temples. Okay. Write a report on why not. They have no idea why not. A church has, has an idol on a cross. It's not an idol. But, uh, but uh, uh, the, the, the Islam, they, what they have, doesn't have any idols. So is it a Vajazara? It just has a bunch of, of, of um, carpets, Persian carpets, right? So the mosque doesn't have any idols. Can you go here? Can you go there? A Buddha is a real Vajazara. They had no answers. So in class, he did this on purpose. All the Goyim, Maz, everyone else were like, they surrounded these girls. They're like, why can't you come to the mosque? I'll go to your temple. I'm like, oh. That's what we need. When you go walk into our temple, yeah, we're all going to go out the front door, right? Like, hi, I'm Muslim. Came to Davin today, Muslim. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the reaction would be, but, but they're like, so we'll go to you. Why can't you come to us? You know why? Because the Jewish rabbis know that if you watch us pray, you realize we have the right religion. They're just scared. Why else can't you come into a mosque or into a church? You get these four Mishago girls standing there, attacked. I said, you're not allowed to go to a non-Jewish school today. You're not. They hate us. Israel? Well, they're Nazis. Because they're Palestinians. This is, this is where it's brewed. This is where it's brewed. Liberalism. Abortion. All the stuff that they have, that's in those colleges. And any Orthodox Jew is an enemy. You're prehistoric. You, you, you don't understand. You're, you, you're from a thousand years ago. So I was like, whatever you can do, though, but when you're in college or you're at work, and a guy comes to you and starts up with you, don't talk, just say, I hear your question. I'm not, I'm not a rabbi, but um, go to Eshet Torah. Then I go in and ask the rabbi. Oh, I would become a ger. I'll become a ger for you. Like, so anyway, my whole, dis- my whole discussion today, which was shocking, I don't want to do this, I shouldn't really do this, here, but maybe it's meant to be because it's on Torah anytime. 
I'm talking in seminaries, I'm talking in yeshivas, I'm talking to all of you, and you all went through the system and 12, 14 years learning Torah. And I'm standing, I'm sitting in front of these girls, all the seminaries, and I'm like, so, so you're working in the workplace, and this guy walks over to you and says, you know, I've been watching you for a while. So first of all, that's a very bad opening statement. Like, why are you been watching me? Um, and can you tell me something? Why can't Jews intermarry? We can intermarry. Even Muslims, the men can marry, that's the way they set it up. The men can marry non-Muslim women, but a woman Muslim marries a non-Muslim man, you'll, you'll find her in the backyard. You're not allowed to do that. But the men can marry whoever they want. The women can't. But Christianity, you can marry out. Buddhism, you can marry out. Hinduism, you can marry out. All of them, you can marry out. So what's with you Jewish people? Like, what's wrong with me that you won't marry me? So wherever I went, I got many spores, many different reasons. Your oil, I'm water, great. That's what you're going to tell them. Right? Your water and I'm oil? What does that mean? What do you mean your water and I'm oil? I'm not human? Oh, did you think that everyone else is subhuman? Oh, you open up a can of worms because we don't think that. We're different. We're not better. We're different. The liver is not the heart. Is the heart better than the liver? No. So Hashem put different parts. We're supposed to be the soul of the world. It's our job to make a kiddush Hashem. But we're not better. We're different. They build the road. They do a lot of other things. They come out in Mashiach's time and they say, they built it for us. And we're like, no, you didn't build it for you. You built it for you. We happen to be using it. Whatever. So, can you believe that I've asked hundreds of people this question? What's the answer? Oh, we have a soul and you don't. That's great. Mm-hmm. So show me your soul. I don't believe you. You mean you have a soul and I don't. So why can't Jews marry Goyim? Because... Children are getting mixed messages. The guy is going to do the the Christmas tree, and the Jew is going to do the Hanukkah menorah. We don't want to give our children mixed messages. What happens? Ready for this girl? My class says very smart. What happens if it's a fifty-year-old Jewish girl, sixty-year-old, sixty-year-old woman? She's not having any children. So why can't she marry a guy? Children are going to get mixed messages. There are no children. But she can't marry a guy if she's 80. So that's the reason a six-year-old woman, 65-year-old woman who can't have any children, or a woman who can't have any children, right? Can marry a guy because the kids are not getting mixed messages. Once you start giving reasons, you're in big trouble, as you'll see by Yosef. So anyone here know why you can't marry a guy? Don't be bashful. Why can't you marry a guy? Where does he say that? Where do you see as Jim said now to what? Yeah, Rebetzin, where is that? Okay. That's the only answer. No oil, no water, no kids, no mixed messages, because you're going to start answering, you're going to have that question about the 60-year-old woman. It's not going to work. I'm going to say it. So we're going to go to Parshas Veskanan. In the Varum. And I'm going to tell you something even more. How do you know that Judaism goes by the mother? Does not say anywhere in the Torah that Judaism goes by the mother. In fact, I believe before that in Torah it went by the father. It changed him, it's trying. How do you know that Judaism... So now, there's a svara. There's a svara to it. Because you know who the mother is, you don't know who the father is for sure. So if you're going to make Judaism go by the father, maybe this woman's pregnant, he's not the father. But the lady gives birth, and she's the mother, and she's Jewish. So that's a svara. It's much more than a svara, it's a pasik. 
I'll tell you the Pasuk. It's the same Pasuk. Isn't that shocking? That we're all Jewish people and we all know you, number one, you can't get intermarried and we think it's, it's a theory. No, it's not a theory. God doesn't leave these things up to theory. So this is what it says. In plus, in Shvi, Pashadesh Hanan, says the following. Kiviyaka Hashem Alekecha, Oretz Hashem is going to bring you to the land. And there's going to be a lot of guy in there, seven nations, and you're going to, you're going to, they're going to become, you're going to, you're going to capture them. Pasuk Gimel. The low, bum. You cannot intermarry with them. Now, if we say that, you might say, oh, Jewish man can't marry non-Jewish woman, children not Jewish. But a Jewish woman, she can marry a guy, her children will be Jewish anyway. So the Torah is like, no, no, no. We're not going to even give you a chance to make that mistake. The Pharisee and the Pasuk. Bitcha loisitein no. Your Jewish daughter you cannot give to a non-Jewish boy. Ubito and his non-Jewish girl, lo tikach levenecha, you can't take for your son. It's not a theory. It's not water and oil. It's not my children going to grow up with mixed messages. No. You're going to start with that. Then the six-year-old woman is okay. Or the atheist that gets married and says, or the Christian that gets married and says, you don't have to keep anything. You know, I, I respect your religion. You can keep Shabbos. You can send your kids to yeshiva. You can like the Hanukkah menorah. The kids are Jewish anyway. We'll bring them up Jewish. We have a lot, a lot of problems in assimilation with the, the father. I'll bring them up Jewish, right? No, it doesn't matter what you're going to do. Pusik says, I can't marry you. Period. Now, how do we know that Judaism goes by the mother? Because the next Pusik says, and you know what's going to happen if you're going to intermarry? He also bin Your children are going to go off to Derech. And they're going to serve other idols. Oh, I don't have Rashi here. Okay. So, it's okay. So, if you look, you'll look at the Rashi on this Pusik. And Rashi says, it's just the Pusik says, Bincha, your children, that means only your children that comes from, this is what Rashi says, it comes from the mother, because that's considered a Jew, so that's considered a child. But the child that comes from a mother that isn't Jewish is not what the Torah is talking about, what the Pusik is talking about. So Rashi says that from this Pusik we learn that the Judaism goes after the mother, the Ferish Pusik. Not a theory, what? What's Perek? It's Perek Zion, Pusik Gimel. Now how could it be that nobody knows this? So today, in my seminary at Teres Nava and Benos Bina, we are specifically teaching as part of our curriculum how to answer and not be cursed. If you don't, because what happens is if you have a, if someone asks you a question and you don't have an answer, it becomes your question. And that's not good. And we can go through a lot of different questions. I'm not going to do that about tattoos and other things and, and, and it's my body and, and today tattoos are art and it's not what it was, it doesn't matter. Teres says, Everything's in the Torah. Everything's very big stuff. Is like most stuff is very, very, very specific. So, um, and and in today's in the old days, they left you alone. But today, everybody wants to intermarry. So everybody's asking you questions. And like, how do you know there's a God? And how do you know this? And if you don't know the answer, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You know. And then some of these answers that are given. Well, Christians was one guy who said God spoke to him. Muhammad and Islam said one God. But we had 600,000, 3 million people standing at our Sinai. So the Messiah is much bigger. So that, that was very good for Aisha Torah when Aisha Torah came out. The problem today is that if you say that answer, the kids are like, show me a video. How do I know they were? You tell me there were 3 million people? Show me the video. I don't believe there's 3 million people there. Because today, if you don't show me a video, or a WhatsApp, or it's not a YouTube, I didn't see, there's no 3 million people on YouTube. I don't believe it. So that, a lot of those answers don't work anymore. You have to have real answers. So, 
It's very, very important. But that was the problem that Yosef had. Because he shouldn't have said to her, why? He should have said, it's the wrong thing to do. But once he said why, she was very smart. And she said, you're wrong. Because according to Jewish law, the way a non-Jew gets married is not through money, not through Kedushin, through Kesef or Shtar, through being together physically, consummating the marriage. And my husband's gay. So we never consummated the marriage. It's marriage. So I'm not married. According to your laws, I'm not married. So I'm not an Eshetish. What's your second problem with me? You're a guy. She said, really? Come outside. Look at the stars. Yosef knows how to read stars. Don't you see in the stars that from the two of us are coming two holy Jewish children, Ephraim and Menashe. And Yosef looked in the stars and that's what it said. That Ephraim and Menashe are coming from the two of them. And the stars are put out by Hashem. So she said, Hashem wants us to get married. And he said, I don't understand. But, because at the end of the day, the Pasuk says, I hear what you're saying. Everything sounds good. You're not married, Ephraim and Menashe. But it's still a big sin. So they asked Akasha, what do you mean it's a big sin? She just explained to you, it's not a big sin. He said, then the Pasuk says, you know what the big sin is? Your husband, my master, gave me everything. And he told me when he gave me everything, I have everything. Just my wife, you don't, I don't want you to give you. Even though he wasn't consummated. He said, Kofli Toiv, in ingrate, when someone gives you everything, and he asks you not to take one thing, and you take it, it's the biggest sin to God. Bigger than sleeping with you. Bigger than that, is Khatosi Lelokim. To, to hurt someone who helped me, and that's the basis of my book that's coming. I'm selling my book. I'm kidding, but it's the basis of Kibbut of Aim. The basis of Kibbut of Aim, that Kibbut of Aim is the is the fifth commandment. If you look at the commandments, it's the foundation. It's the last one on the bottom. It's the foundation of the first tablet. And the first tablet is about us and God. Hashem says, if you don't have kibbutz of the aim, this has nothing to stand on. You're going to serve Abayi Dezerah. You're not going to make me your God because kibbutz of aim is based on you brought me into this world. And if you can't have a karsatov that they brought you into this world, how are you going to have a karsatov for me who you don't even see? So, Kibbut of Aim is in Ben Adam Amokam, not Ben Adam Now, many kids say to me, I don't want to be in this world. I am in pain. I'm abused. I went through all this. My parents didn't do me a favor, bring me to this world. The worst thing they could have done was bring me to this world. They should have left me in the other world. So, why do I have to appreciate? Why do I have to appreciate them? Why do I have to have a cross the I get this all the time. I'd like to die. The reason I'm not killing myself is because you're not allowed to. I don't want to be here. This is just a world of pain. So don't tell me I owe my parents kibbutz of aim across the time. And I tell them all the same answer. I'm like, you're in pain, and I'm not saying you're not in pain. But you're here. And if you understood the potential of life, a potential of one second, it's like putting someone in a room of money. What person in a room of money would say, I don't want to be here? Who asked you to put me in a room of money where there's $20 million I can walk out with? Who would say that? Someone who doesn't understand the power of the good that money can do. So a person who's in this world and has the most most precious thing, which is life, which is minutes to live, and says, I don't want to be here. The reason they're saying that is they have no idea the potential of a second of life. 
It's not your parents that you should be angry at. It's yourself. Because they gave you life, and you can make someone smile, and you can make a bracha, whatever it is. The Mishnah says it. It's a Mishnah in Pirkei The Mishnah says one second in this world of, of Gimelas Chasadim and, and keeping mitzvahs is greater than the whole next world. So you're telling me, I just told this to a girl, you're telling me I don't want to be here. I want to be in the other world. Who needs to be here? And the Mishnah is telling you the other world, the whole other world is not worth one second in this world. And the reason you don't want to be is because you don't understand the potential of a moment. And therefore you have to thank your parents because they gave you the potential of a moment, of a lot of moments. And therefore you have to have kibbutz of the aim. And the chatasi lavokim, the greatest sin to God, is a person who's an ingrate and doesn't have kibbutz of the aim. And doesn't respect their parents. And that's what, that's what Yosef said. I hear everything. Mitzvah, yeah, a and But my master gave me everything and he's asking me not to do this. Chatasi lavokim, he got up, he ran away. She held on to his jacket. The most beautiful woman in the whole world. And he had a, and I can say he had a right to sin, but a lot of people would say, like, you know, my brother sold me. No one's going to catch me. They're up there. They don't have any expectations of me anyway. I'm abused. I'm going off the derech. Not my Rebbe hit me. They threw me naked into a pit. And then sold me to some gay guy. I mean, come on. I need to follow the ways of Hashem? Judaism is my thing? He's like, yeah. little Kim, I'm out of here. Baruch Hashem. He ends up by Potif, and all he's telling is, all he's saying is Baruch Hashem. That's why I'm, I'm like a big Yosef fan. Yours also. So, in my, if I wrote the book, he runs away from her. This was beautiful girl and woman. He's running away from sin, and God says, "Oh my gosh, I never, I never had such a person in my life." He sends a beautiful eagle. The eagle lands. Joseph gets on the eagle, and they fly to Canaan. And he's reconnected with his father, saved because he didn't do this avera, and they lived happily ever after. That's the way my stories go, because he did the right thing. Oh my gosh, it's different, it's different in this book. Hashem says, oh, you ran away from her? Good. Now we're going to put you in a dungeon. Your reward for beating her is not your king or something. We're putting you in a dungeon. I don't understand what he was thinking. Like, what, what was going on through Yosef's head? Like, I should have done the Avera. We would have killed the guy. I would have become the master. Party the rest of my life with the most beautiful girl in the world. And I said, no, I'm going to be a tzaddik. I figured, who knows what my reward's going to be? Yeah, throw him in the dungeon. So now he's in the dungeon. Lost forever. No one's ever going to find him. Even his brothers come to him and they're not going to find him. But he has a hope. Hashem, help me. Right? We all down to Hashem. Help me, come on. All right, I probably did something, you know we think. Probably did something wrong. That's why you put me in the dungeon. So I'm just cleaning up my last Avera. You know, that's how we think that I still deserve to get a little bit potch. Right? So... This is Sahamashkin, right? And he says to him, listen, I know my God's going to save me. When you get out, it's meant to be you had a dream and I translated it. When you get out, tell everybody, network, get online, network, tell everybody that I'm in the dungeon. Last word in Pashas Vayeshev. Last word. You're not going to believe the word. Vayishkasehu. Totally forgot. Stuck in the dungeon. He forgot my one hope. I said, okay, I sat another two years. Whatever. Totally forgot him. So when you end this, if I was to teach this in a class of non-Jews, they'd be like, oh my God, I would never come into your religion. God punishes you when you do something good. He throws you in a dungeon. Then he forgets about you. 
And if you get stuck on this page, yeah, you're going to go off to death, you're going to be depressed, you're going to be anxious, you're going to be angry, you're going to... No relationship with God. But it's just a page. It's so interesting. This is the page where you should say, you turn the page, you're in Pasha's knee case. They're pulling him out of the dungeon, they're giving him a shower, they're shaving him, they're doing his hair, he's standing in front of the king, the king says, I never met a man that's so smart in you and so connected to God, you're second in command, you know, translates to dreams about the food, the first seven years, you got to save the food, he saved the whole world, the whole world, but a page ago, he was forgotten, the guy who's forgotten in the dungeon, a page later, is the king of the world. Number two, the most powerful man in the world, the Prince of Egypt, Joseph. You gotta turn the page. You gotta hang out, you gotta hang on until the page turns. He hung on in the dungeon for years. Two years after the Saramashkin left, he hung out in the dungeon. He held on. And yeah. Abraham Avino held on, Yitzhak held on, even though he became blind, and he gave the biggest bracha to Yaakov Avino, and we're we're still living from it. You gotta hold on. Last one. And we'll end with this. I won't miss my plane and I have people to talk to you. Last one. So you think in your heart, I have questions on Hashem, like you're a really bad person. Like, you know, I know it's been up Shiurim, I'm not from, you know, this person I like died and I davened and I davened and nothing helped. And this person's in pain, and this person's not having children, and this person's 41 and doesn't have a shidduch. So even though you're like, I don't have questions, I have questions, I don't have questions, I don't have questions. Because if I have questions, you're going to take me up to Shemayim to show me the answer. I, I want to live. I don't, I don't have questions. But deep down in your heart, you're like, ah, it's how the Gorilla life's tough. You do have questions. So I always say, the questions are here. You try not to let them get here. But in your head, you're human. You do have questions. Anyone who says they don't have questions is not telling you the truth. Unless you're a gadol, 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 tzadik. But... People who have a Muna, they keep it here, question. But I know there must be an answer, so it doesn't go into your heart. If you have heart problems and questions in your heart, that's a whole different situation. Now, I am telling you, I'm going on a limb, that it's normal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Muna, Muna, what's wrong with you? I, I don't say anything on my own. So as great as everybody in this room and watching Torah anytime is, you're not Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay? Let's go to the end of Pasha Shmos. So you have the Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm not going to get into because it's late. Moshe Rabbeinu, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I stutter, I can't talk, I don't want to go, seven times, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Hashem's like, they're crying, and they need you, and they're crying, and they're bitter, and they're getting beaten up, and it's terrible, and you're going to go, and you're going to save them, and you're going to take them out of a triumph, I don't really want to go, you're going to go, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'm going to save, I'm going to save my brothers who are in pain. Right, you'll see, Moshe Rabbeinu came out of the castle, the first thing he said, he looked at the pain of his brothers. Okay, Hashem, let's do it. We're going to try him, whack him, wipe him out, and then we're going to take him out. We're all excited. He's got the mission, right? He comes to Mitzrayim. He comes in front of Paro. He says, and the God of the Jews said, let my people go. Sound like Tron Heston. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> let my people go. And Paro says, who is this God? I never heard of him. Open the books. We don't have a Yudkev of Kev. Near from my tab. You don't have God. You're lazy. You're lazy. Oh, did you think they're going to be lazy? All right, new rule. From now on, we're not supplying you with the raw material for the bricks, the hay, and the stuff that you need. You're going to collect it. And guess what? If you don't finish the Sphinx and the wall that you're supposed to on time, 
we're going to take every day another baby and put it in the wall that you didn't finish the bricks. They never had that before Moshe Rabbeinu showed up. Moshe Rabbeinu shows up and he's telling the Jews, I'm here to save you! And what happens? Not only does it save them, he makes it a million times worse. Nobody likes Moshe Rabbeinu and nobody wants to talk to him. Who asked you to come out of the desert and mind our business? And they said that to him. So now Moshe Rabbeinu like, I said no seven times. You begged me to come. You made me come. What did you do? Tzadik Duralai. You gave me a mission. I did my mission. What did you do? Now, I'm not saying this. He is. And the Pasha Shmos. He says the following. The Shaitre of the Bnei Israel, the policeman of the Bnei Israel, said, the foreman of the Bnei Israel, saw them in distress and they said, we have no choice, but you can't reduce your bricks. You have to make the same amount of bricks even though they're not giving you the raw material or else you're going to lose kids. So Klai Yisrael attacked Moshe. And the Jews met them when they came out of Paro after this decree came out. And they said to them, they said, May Hashem look upon you and judge for you have made our very scent, our smell disgusting in the eyes of Paro, in the eyes of his servants, to place a sword in their hands to murder us. Moshebenu, you're a murderer! You can't even try him to save us? You're killing us! Nice reward for a guy who said no seven times. I don't want to go. So, Moshebenu turns to Hashem, my master, Lama Rachel Lamazeh. Why did you make it worse for Kleisrol? Lamazesh Lachtani. Why did you send me? He's asking Hashem this question. Why are you making it worse? Sadik Viraloi. Why did you send me to do this? Wait, he's not finished. And since I came to power to talk in your name, you told me to go. He made it worse for the nation. And you know what, Hashem? You didn't even save them. You made it worse for them, and you didn't even save them. So Moshe Rabbeinu said to God, You didn't even save them. Why did you send me? Why did you make it worse? He didn't just think it. He said it. Why did Hashem punish him for being fresh? That's pretty fresh to talk to God that way. And the answer is because he was talking for Kleistrom. When he said he said to Hashem, "If you kill one, if you kill them, wipe me out. You don't have you don't have Shemos, you don't have Vayikra, you don't have Bamidba, you don't have Dvarim. Because guess what, Moshe Rabbeinu's name won't be my name's not going to be in the Torah. Ha! You're coming. They're going to have to sell one volume, Barashas. No five volumes anymore. It's just going to be Barashas. So I'm out. You're threatening God. Anyone in this room would ever threaten God? Like, if you don't do what I want, I'm out. And the answer is, how come he didn't punish him? And he said, Salakti Kivarecha. You're saying good." You're forgiven. And the answer is, as long as you're a mechutzif for Klai Yisrael, Hashem loves it. The king loves when the king says the, the prince has to die, and a guy gets up and says, No, you can't kill the prince. They're not going to chop that guy's head off. He's going to come here. Really? You, you want my son? Yeah, you can come up with a way. I love you. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, You can't kill them. Hashem says, I love you. Rachel Emanuel said, 
what's going on over here? I wasn't jealous of my sister. Why are you jealous of a bunch of bricks and stones? Hashem said, she's the only one I'm going to listen to. Yes, you wanted to ask? Hashem did punish Moshe for saying, Rabban Arias, and Rabban Arias. He took away the criminal. Not so part. That's on a very... He, he got punished for seven times saying, I'm not going to go eat also. But it's not a punishment. It's sort of a consequence. But what did Hashem answer him? What did Hashem answer him? Hashem said, Hashem Moshe, Don't get stuck on the page in the book. Because the page in the book is going to turn. Ata, now, I hear what you're saying. Tireh, Paro. Now we're going to turn the page. And oh boy, you're going to see what I'm going to do to Paro. You're right, they're stuck right now. But they're not going to be stuck forever. And therefore, turn the page. And when you turn the page, it's Pasha's for Era. Seven Makas. And you turn the page, it's Pasha Bo, another three Makas. And you turn the page, it's Pasha B'Shalach, they're getting out of... And then you turn the page, it's Pasha Yisrael, they're getting the Torah. Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, don't get stuck on the page. It's all part of the mission. Because I could have really taken them out without any makas. Because Paro made all these decrees, it's going to be Mida Kedeged Mida. He threw children into the water, we're going to throw his whole nation into the water. He didn't let women go to the mikvah, so they couldn't become Matara from Dam Nida. We're going to make the, the water turn into blood. Every single... They're going to make the Jews sweat all day without being let anything taking showers. We're going to bring lice. Every single thing they did, Hashem did Mida He said, "Don't get stuck on the page. You got to turn the page. It's a whole book. That's the lesson in our lives. Even when we're going through hard times, don't get stuck on the page." But Rabbi Watson, can you promise that the page will turn? I can't promise you anything. But the page does turn. Will turn to the good or to the bad? I can't answer that. I don't know your book. But sometimes you need to write your own page. And that's tshuva, and tefillah, and maizim taivim. And that's what we say on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur we say, tshuva, right? Tshuva, tefillah, utzedakah, my virin, it's right, That there's a gezerah, the gezerah is written. Page is written, bad stuff. But you have the power through tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah, my virin, it's What does my virin mean? doesn't mean break it. My virin, move it. It's like the perfect... Proof to what I'm saying is true. It should say on Yom Kippur, Shuva Tfilu Tzedaka, Kaira Asrei Zegzeira. Rips the Gzeira. Does rip the Gzeira. My viewer is like Gzeira. The Gzeira is on this page. My viewer means move it. That's what Torah Shuva Tfilu do. They move the page. And everyone has that Kayach to write their own page. So, my bracha, first of all, tonight's year is sponsored by the Israel of Moshe Zalman ben Rav Yoel Aaron Hakoyed. We should see Betchias Emes in Bekarayv by Yitzchak. Oh, and Amir Montel, very nice Montel. And Rufu Shleimah for Rachel Pesya Chana Bas Chaya Charna. I think I know what that is. And um, my bracha to everyone is that, especially on Lag Baomer, that we're in a page of the book that seems to be very tough, and there's a lot of suffering in Klai Yisrael. Um, and some of us are asking, Lama Horeso Am Hazeh. And Akash Baruch is saying, Ata Yadata, now I will show you 
that all your pain and everything will come to fruition by the coming of Mashiach. And I hope he gets it before I get to my plane, so I can stay here in Eretz Yisrael. And I got to go nowhere. But I could just tell you that it's amazing to watch what was going on in Maron. So many young kids and older kids, and all the differences between Sfardim and Hasidim and religious and not religion and that team and not that team. There was nothing there. Everybody was dancing and dominating. All the girls were saying, the hill of the guys were dominating and it was squished. It was 103 degrees and nobody cared. And the chesed, everywhere you turn, someone put a bottle of water in my hand. And then, and then I went past this one stand, the guy put a piece of watermelon in my hand. I'm like, you have a plate? No, who needs a plate? Right? I'm like, <laughs> still a little bit American, like whatever it is. <laughs> Food, beer, meat, flesh, milk, whatever you want, cake. A hundred thousand hot solar guys. It was like, I could have who look at you people. We just want you. Just, just show, just, just bring us Mashiach already. Last night was, and I'm sure today also, what an example of who we really are. There's politics and there's so much politics and this group and that group and in Knesset. And we vote for this, we don't vote for this. It's nonsense. There was no politics there last night. No politics. No division. No Svardim and Ashkenazim and Hasid. Nothing. So Hashem, I'm hoping, I know that Hashem looked down upon this, and Mashiach is probably sitting right next to Hashem saying like, no, they're doing this for Hashem, and imagine what they're going to do for me. And God's like, okay, we're just going to get Egget going, we got to get it all set up, whatever it is. It's not all set up, the roads are not set up. And I see, you know, they're doing Sheish, I don't know, there's a highway. So I came back and I sat on Sheish, right? And they just extended Sheish, and they're making tunnels, and I'm like, you think they're making it for now? You think in Yerushalayim there's a million buildings going up on every little makolet. There's a 60-story apartment. I don't know how they do that. Right? And they're building thousands of apartments because Mashiach is coming. So we think we're doing it, real estate, investment. No, no. No, no, no. We're doing it because he's right here. And Mashiach sitting next to Hashem saying, look at your class. And they're still going. There's thousands of buses going up there. And what are they going up to do? What are they going up to do? They're going to a casino? Going to watch a soccer game? What are they going up to do? Look to Davin. They're going to be in Samaria. They're going to say to him, Mikam Chisrael. May we see Mashiach from here to be a man or a man. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.